The 104th edition of the Four Corners podcast starts right now. Black holding high, goes to Darty. Darty and the double team gives it back to Black with 20 seconds left to play. Goes back to Michael Jordan, jumper from out on the left, good! Rebounded by Weber. Michigan out of timeout. Weber front court, Carolina with foul. He takes the timeout, they're out foul. of timeout. Technical foul, technical foul on Michigan. Ed Corbett says he can run the baseline, hands in the ball. Brown gets it into Williams. Here comes Williams front court. Williams on the drive. Gets it back out to him. Long outside shot. Short rebounded. May. It's over. Carolina has won the national championship. 89-72. And how about them Tar Heels? They are the national champions. Matthews off the mark. And this year, the confetti is going to fall for North Carolina. They're not going to be denied this time. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Four Corners Podcast. We are powered by Carolina Electrical Services. Josh and Anthony with you guys. Merely a few hours after Carolina goes into as hostile and emotional a Cameron Indoor Stadium there's ever been. And they take down Duke 94-81 in what was Coach K's final home game in Cameron Indoor Stadium <laughs> in a game that Carolina was capable of winning the game. Yeah. I don't think many people thought it was possible they were going to win the game. Couldn't have been anybody on this podcast. Let alone control the game. And and Carolina did just that for the majority of the game. The game was played the way Carolina wanted the game to be played. Uh, for the first 14 minutes or so of that first half, they built a 26 to 21 lead. Duke would close the the half on a, on on a big time run to to take a 41 to 39 lead at halftime. But there were multiple times in the game where Duke would score seven, eight in a row, and in that building, that that can, that can quickly become a 15-16-0 spurt. And Carolina just kept bouncing back, fighting back, punching back. They used a 9-0 run in the second half to get back into it. And in those final six minutes, um, you, you, you knew the game was going to come down to the wire. Carolina looked exhausted mentally, physically, and emotionally. But they dug deep as they have so many times over the last couple weeks to win a game on the road. And just just a brilliant effort from this team in that second half. All five starters played the entire 20 minutes and and Hubert Davis becomes just the first becomes the first head coach since Matt Doherty to win in his first trip to Durham. Um, as it's a really difficult thing to do, um, no matter where you're coaching or, or who are you coaching. Um, between Caleb Love, R.J. Davis, Armando Baycott, and Brady Manick, they all scored 20 points or more. The first time ever in the history of Carolina basketball, they've had four 20-point scores or more in a single game. And most importantly, the, the, the win secures Carolina a three-seed in next week's ACC tournament, and it all but assures themselves in a spot in the NCAA tournament. And we talked about it leading into the game that, you know, Hubert Davis told his team when they played in Michigan, this is why you come to Carolina. And he wasn't wrong. 
That you, you, you come to Carolina play in that game. He didn't tell his team that before the first Duke game, and I don't know if it would have mattered as Carolina got blown out in that one. This is why you come to Carolina. It's it's to play in the best rivalry in sports, to play in that building, to play in that atmosphere, but to beat them. And to send people home crying, including the greatest coach in the history of basketball, supposedly. By the way, that's out the window now. Done. Is it? it? Oh, yes. Because this game was won for the real GOAT, Roy Williams. As they said afterwards, when Armando Baycott gave him a FaceTime ring, which, by the way, do we think that that may have been Roy Williams' first FaceTime? He, 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 I don't, he had no, he honestly had to ask, Wanda, what's happening right now? Well, Why I mean, can I see Armando in the locker room? He had, he had to do a couple Zoom meetings because he coached during COVID. So I'm That's sure. That's a fair point. That's a fair point. I'm sure he knew to slide the answer button. What an amazing, what, what, what an amazing night for, even for Carolina though, mm. to be able to, I mean, those, those guys probably felt like that too. Because I, I think all Toriel fans kind of felt the same way. That, hey, you know, Roy didn't really get that moment. We wish that he had gotten that moment, even though that's not really what he wanted. We wish he could have gotten that moment. So to get that win for him, and then to get Hubert Davis's first win in the rivalry mm. in this way, boy, that had to feel good for those guys in that locker room, especially after, you know, all season – and rightfully so, there have been a lot of questions about the heart of this team. Yep. And tonight, they look motivated. And it shouldn't have really shocked anybody at all because you barely even knew that the Tar Heels were the other team on the side. On, on the other side. They didn't talk about that aspect of this game at all. Never, they, they did not mention that at all during this week. They Basically, you Carolina was to the point where they were like, oh yeah, by the way, Duke playing Carolina in this game mm-hmm. because they allowed Coach K to over to, to overtake the all the headlines of this week, and it backfired on them, and it's tremendous. Well, look, here's the thing: Coach K had earned the right to get the send off that he got today, and ESPN, you know. Gave him what what he wanted for his part of his retirement tour. I thought the game day coverage was what you thought it was going to be. I thought the lead up going into the game was what it was going to be. But as I said leading up to it, this is a great chance to only heighten what this rivalry means. Because this doesn't happen in Louisville and Kentucky or Ohio State-Michigan in football, or Alabama-Auburn in football. But it happens here because as much as we hate them, they have greatness you can't deny. And usually, nine times out of ten, the rivalry brings out the best in both teams, right? Mm -hmm. That didn't happen in the first matchup. We We didn't hold up to our end of the bargain. And Hubert Davis said entering the game... He didn't care about being a part of the pageantry. He was trying to get his team ready to go compete. And had Carolina lost the game, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't have been a fun edition of the podcast. 
but we wouldn't have complained about the effort, the energy, and the toughness because they brought all of that and so much more. This team was spent in the second half. They were spent. Yeah, yeah, they need they desperately needed the double buy that they they earned the other night against Syracuse. But like this was going and and you knew it, you knew it going in. Like there are no, there's no way these guys didn't think that they were going to be playing excess minutes in this game. But the other thing is is that there was a time where you were looking at the bench and saying you guys are going to have to play massive roles yep. because we have multiple guys in foul trouble. Even guys on the bench were in foul trouble. And Carolina was able to navigate it. I mean, that's look, we're going to talk about Armando Baycott and how well he played overall in this game. The fact that he was able to go foul free in the second half was really amazing because let's be honest, this was not the best called game that we've seen of the season. And we knew that it wasn't going to be that well called of a game. You knew there were going to be things that were going to go against you. But he remained disciplined when early on it looked like, oh no, here we go again with the foul issues in this game. Yep. But, you know, they just... They've displayed a level of mental toughness over the last two and a half weeks I didn't think existed in this team. We're talking about a team that one month ago would, or a month and a half ago now, went to Wake Forest and went to Miami. Good quality teams. And got blown out. Blown out. Didn't even look competitive in those games. Carolina's now won five games in a row on the road. And as we talked about leading into the game, they were going to have to use all four of the previous wins as a as a experience to draw back on if they wanted to win this game. And I never I never once looked at the team and thought they were overwhelmed by the emotion that Duke was playing with, by the the crowd that was in the building, um, as as electric a Cameron crowd as we'll ever remember. They never looked overwhelmed. They looked they looked like they belong. And that's a testament to Hubert Davis, a guy that I have come on here and bitched and complained about more often than not. No, but what not he's you. Pro- what he's proven in the last three weeks, he can coach, and the emotion that this team displayed after the game, when if you go to Carolina's basketball Twitter account and they get in the locker room. And Armando Baycott is hugging him and sobbing. Tonight proved why he's the right man to lead Carolina basketball. It validated Roy Williams' retirement and him being the guy to take over. Tonight validates that. Validated him taking over. Yes. Not Roy Williams retiring. Roy Williams should but, still be here, but, I mean, but Roy, the state of Roy, college basketball got it where it was. You know, Roy Roy retiring, Hubert right, taking. Right, right, right. Tonight validates that. Well, we knew that We knew that all along. I mean, Hubert, you could see him getting emotional too. But my thing is, is look, if you ever thought that he didn't care about this, this program and that he was just going through the motions and everything like that, well, just go back and – Watch him after the 2016 national title loss. Said that multiple times. That's one of the lowest moments of my life was watching that man 
cry his eyes out after losing that game as an assistant coach. Mm -hmm. And, you know, now you come full circle to this moment where you get your first win over Duke in a year where, at the midway point, many of your own fan base wanted you gone. Yep. Thought that Wes Miller would be a better head coach. And now look where you're look where you're at. You're locked into the ACC tur- or you're locked into the NCAA tournament without having to get it done in the ACC tournament. And you have maybe the biggest regular season win in the history of college basketball on your resume. And the confidence level that exists in this team, it's at an all-time high. You can't you can't take them off the high. And you shouldn't. And I thought it was a great moment seeing them get off the bus back in Franklin Street and celebrate with the fans because that's college basketball at its purest. That's this rivalry at its purest is celebrating beating them because as low as we felt three weeks ago, the high we're feeling tonight, not even Snoop Dogg can get on our level. Oh, God. oh my God! All right, that all right. You're reaching there. You're reaching there. But yeah, no. I mean, it's it's amazing. And and this is a team that you know there was a piece that came out earlier this week. I don't remember what website it was on, where they talked to a couple of the guys on the team and just the mental challenges of going through the last couple of years. It did exactly what we thought that it did to this team. Mm-hmm. There were guys that just really didn't handle it well. And look, we're all going through challenges like that. We've all had those moments like that during this pandemic. We've all been there. And, you know, in all honesty, there's times where you think to yourself, things just don't feel the same anymore. Tonight was one of those times where... Things kind of felt like the old days just a little bit. Yep. For Carolina to go in there and pull off this upset, which will no doubt add heat to the rivalry. I mean, look at the handshake line afterwards. Yep. Chris Carowell couldn't even shake Hubert Davis's hand. And you know look, now that's because he's he's petty. You know, and, and look, that's we're, pathetic. We're we're gonna make fun of it. And... Well, there's nothing to make fun of there. You're a coach. Be a freaking man, you loser. And, and you know, the, the basketball account tweeted out the little handshake emoji as well to kind of poke fun at Duke. By the way, uh, I, I know this is a Toriel podcast. Um, whoever runs the Maryland basketball Twitter account. Give that guy a my, raise. My, my God. The, the, the tweets that were coming out were absolutely fire. Um... But, you know, everything we've heard since COVID started, Roy retiring, Kay announcing his retirement, is that the rivalry will never be as great as it was. And look, it may never be as great as it was because it's got a lot to live up to. But it's tonight proved, with the way the game ended and everything like that, what I've proclaimed all along. Duke and Carolina is going to be here forever. And I don't know if you're a Tar Heel fan, 
when you watch John Shire talking to the media before going to halftime or whatever, the hatred's already there. It'll never get to the same level as Kay. Is it bad that I was hoping he was the one that didn't shake his hand because I thought that would just really but, but take so, it over the top? Don't don't let don't let the media tell you that this isn't this is still going to be the best freaking rivalry in sports. It's still going to deliver nine times out of ten. We're still going to want to beat them, and they're still going to want to beat us. Which brings us to uh, one quick discussion topic before we get into the box score, quarter of the game, and all that other fun stuff. Is this the most satisfying win over Duke ever? What kind of question is that? Yes. Like, does this top beating J.J. Redick on his senior night, Tyler Hansborough's final home game in the Smith Center to clinch, to, to clinch the ACC regular season for that 15-16 team that had to win in camera to win the ACC, and that jumps out of their run to the Final Four. Does this top that? What kind of question is that? Yes. Okay. You had the most hyped college basketball game ever. And I'm talking about tournament finals. There has never been this much hype around that. This was supposed to be the special moment in college basketball. And Carolina just walked in there and said, not so fast. This is without a doubt the greatest moment. And you want to know why? Because afterwards... You ha- he had to come back out and give a speech in front of the crowd after losing the game. People crying, everything like that. To me, it is just hilarious. All Everything that went into this game, all the players that came back, which, by the way, kind of pathetic that only not even half of the group that got invited came back. If that was the Tar Heel family that got invited back, Pretty much every single one of those guys would be there. Well, and here's my so, thing. It, it took that's him, pretty crappy. It took him retiring to get that many people back in the building to, to support the brotherhood. How many times do Carolina legends and people that... Dude, there was a Tar Heel legend in the building tonight. He's celebrating on the court right now. Joel Berry. Um, you know, how many times do those guys just show up? Whether it's for a Duke game an NC State game, or a non-conference game in the middle of December. I mean, Cam Johnson was at like two or three games during the All-Star break, then came back last night and beat our Knicks with a game-winning shot, which honestly, I, I, I at this point, I just don't even care. I honestly like the moment better. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, it's I, that, it, that's it, what I'm saying. If this was, if they were honoring Roy... I think just about every single one of his players would be there. Well, and the reason why I think it's got to be the most satisfying is because it's like Armando Baycott said leading into the game. A win over them in their building in that moment, that's the trump card in the rivalry right now. Oh, that's it. there's There's no topping that because you could say whatever you want. There is never going to be somebody in this rivalry that will be well, there. I mean, I mean as unless they long. met in the tournament or in a, in a Final Four, a national title setting, that would then that would take over this. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. I mean, we've had the tournament now for 
over 80 years and or going on 80 years and we haven't seen a met meet yet we predicted it a few times and it hasn't happened it, it's gonna take a ton just to to go right for that to happen you know so I think the basketball gods are doing what they need to do to ensure that nothing that that nothing takes the rivalry to a level where it, it, it can never be replicated but I, I I'm with you I, I think and look here's the thing I know which year one. But all the talk going into the game was that who has a leg up in the rivalry was Duke. Everybody, you ask anybody whether it was a, you know, we had Brendan Marks, who was a Carolina grad that covers both, said Duke. You ask anybody, they'll say Duke's got the leg up at, you know, recruiting, you know, this, that, and the other. I don't know if that's the case anymore. Um, and, you know, you go back to when Roy first beat Duke, 05, Marvin Williams shot. That changed the trajectory of Carolina basketball under Roy Williams. Not saying that this was this was going in the wrong direction or anything like that for Hubert Davis, but you can't you can't understate what this win means to him and to his program as he's trying to establish himself as a head basketball coach at North Carolina. So let's take a look at the box score, and it's a pretty one for the Heels. They shot forty nine percent, thirty three of sixty eight. Duke shot forty nine percent as well. They were thirty four of sixty nine. Carolina was nine of twenty three from behind the three point line. For 39%, um, Brady Manick was 5 of 10 from deep tonight, really hitting some big-time shots for Carolina. Uh, Duke was just 7 of 19. The big difference was the free-throw shooting. Carolina, 19 of 22 from the foul line, 86%. Caleb Love was 12 of 12 from the charity stripe tonight. Duke, just 6 of 8, 75%. The 13-point differential from the foul line was the final margin on the scoreboard. Turnovers were a big key entering the game. Carolina committed just five of them, and Duke only got two points off those turnovers. Meanwhile, Duke, just nine turnovers, but 10 points for Carolina off of those Duke miscues. Carolina out-rebounded Duke 37-34, to including 29-26 to on the defensive glass. Both teams had eight offensive rebounds. Duke did, Duke did get more second-chance points 9-6. to they did get more bench points, 17-2. to They did get more points in the paint, 52-40. to They did get more fast break points, 22-14. Both teams with four blocks. Carolina, seven steals. Duke, just three. Both teams had 15 assists. Carolina led for 20 minutes and 14 seconds, and Duke led for 16 minutes and seven seconds. Let's move on to our quote of the game, and we go to Armando Baycott. Because, and I said this on the radio show that you produce on on Friday morning when I got brought in to do, really to come save the day as you were getting bullied on air. Um, yeah, that was that was definitely what happened. They didn't do the same exact thing to you because, again, somehow there was absolutely no chance that Carolina was going to win this game, right? right. Um, and, and, and I made the proclamation on air that, uh, if, if Carolina wins and, and, and Armando Baycott plays well, it'll be a legacy-defining moment for him. And his whole reason for coming back was to leave a legacy at Carolina. He's now tied Bryce Johnson for the most double-doubles in the, in, in the history of the regular season. He's got the most double-digit rebound games in the regular season in the history of Carolina basketball. And now he led his team to a win on the road in Cameron Indoor Stadium in Coach K's final game. And he said after the game, this, this is Carolina basketball. This is a signature win. I am just so glad we won. I am lost for words. 
we're not lost for words. We got plenty of things we want to say about the win, and we're going to we're going to continue to do so. As for the stat of the game, I went with foul shooting because Carolina nineteen of twenty two. Um, Duke just 6 of 8, that 13-point margin, the difference in the game. But also, Duke started to extend the game a minute 45 or so left. So, had Carolina missed a couple of those foul shots, things could have gotten a little bit more easy. But Caleb Love, as I mentioned, stepping up 12 of 12 from the line, and Carolina did a really good job making sure the ball got into his hands to make sure he was the one shooting the free throws. Um, and then Leaky Black, 2 of 2. R.J. Davis, one of two. Armando Baycott, three of four. And then Brady Manick was one of two. But um, that, that's usually what it takes when you want to win in Cameron. you you got to make your foul shots. you got to not turn the ball over. And you gotta you got to get good offense. And Carolina did all of that and more. And that's a big reason why they were able to go on the road tonight and get the win. So we're going to take a quick break. We're going to play you this week's ad from DraftKings. And then when we come back, We'll give you some more thoughts and takeaways from Carolina's 94-81 win over Duke. As if the McCrispy couldn't get any better, Bacon and Ranch just entered the chat. The Bacon Ranch McCrispy, available at participating McDonald's for a limited time. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hoops fans, the latest offer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA, is too good to pass up. I'm talking between the legs, 360 windmill good. New customers can bet just $1 on any team and get $150 in free bets if they win. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still take your shot at a big day payday. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Basketball Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code TBPN. Bet just $1 on any NBA team and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code TBPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. 21 older Minimum age and location requirements vary by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details for a list of requirements and state-specific responsible gaming resources. Voidware prohibited. Minimum $5 deposit. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER in Tennessee. Call or text the Tennessee Red Line at 1-800-889-9789. In Connecticut, call 888 888- 789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369. Really hope you guys are taking great advantage of all these great offers I've been giving you on the Four corner side of things. Same for Anthony over there on the Heel Tough blog podcast side of things as well. The first thing I have written down as as the biggest takeaway I have was a second half for the ages. All five starters played 20 minutes, and, and Carolina outscored Duke 55-40 to 40 in that second stanza. Um, and remember, when we previewed the game the second time around with our boss, Colin Hoggard, um, you know, we all gave a, 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 a score prediction. Y'all were in the mid-70s. I gave 88 because that's been a magic number for Carolina to get wins on the road in, in, in big games. And they exceeded that number going going for 54 Yeah, points. they said forget that. Scoring 50 or 54 points in that second half to score 94 for the game. And 
In the second half, they were 19 of 32 from the field. That was 59%. They made 13 of 16 foul shots. And Caleb Love, who started the game off 0 of 8, scored 15 of his 22 points in that second half. Um, all, all four guys that scored 20 points or more in the game all scored double-digit points in the second half. And Carolina, it, it's, it's really odd because a, a, a couple weeks ago when the, the rotation got to just seven, maybe eight, tonight he played nine off the bench due to foul troubles early in the first half. I didn't think it was sustainable. And I don't know if it's going to be sustainable to win three games in three days in Brooklyn next week or make some deep run into into the NCAA tournament. But I think this team's adjusted. And they know now how to grind games out. They're comfortable doing it. Tonight wasn't as much as a defensive grind as you know, I as as you would have thought it might have been going into the game for Carolina. But they, they never seemed phased in the second half. They never looked tired. Well, they never played tired. They looked tired. They were tired. They didn't play tired. And we'll never forget what this team did in that second half, being able to play defense without fouling and keep those five guys on the court because those five guys, they were more committed than anybody Duke put on the floor in the second half, and that's the big reason why they won the game. Well, your stat of the game could have honestly been the fact that that's the first time in program history that Carolina's had four 20-point scores, which, by the way, is a stunning stat that that is the first time that that has happened. That can't be right, right? Like That's I talking, what I thought. I was talking with Hogg, and I was like, you're telling me that 9 team didn't have four guys I score mean, 20 points in a game? Telling me some of those teams in the 80s didn't have that? Like, to never have that happen. But I think that shows you how deep a lot of the teams normally have been. You've never really mm-hmm. had to have guys. Where tonight, you kind of needed that performance. You needed those guys to play that well. And... They end up accomplishing that history in a game where they needed to do that, where nobody thought they were going to come out and do that. Look, it wasn't the most efficient night from the field, especially for the guys in the backcourt. I thought, you know, R.J. Davis early on got off to a tremendous start, and he finished 9-16, but Caleb Love was just 4-17 of from the field. But they stepped up when they needed to, and this was a really good offensive night. I I thought... You know, I had it in the in the mid-70s. I really thought that at some point, really for both teams, there would be an ugly stretch mm-hmm. on the offensive end. There never was. And, you know, we saw early in the season, Carolina's capable of playing in this type of game. They've got the offense to do it. And that was one of the things that was said a lot during the week by some of the talking heads was that, well, Duke's defense is going to shut down Carolina's offense. There's no way that Carolina can win one of those types of games. They hung 94 on this great defense. Mm -hmm. Carolina just wanted it more. Yep. And that's tremendous to me. And And that team on the other side collapsed under the pressure. Exactly like we said they would. It is so predictable with them now. And honestly, it's hilarious how it's gotten to that point at the end where one of the greatest coaches ever can't seem to find a way to get a young team to win the games that they have to win. Carolina was just, they they they, they are getting the leadership as the season goes along. And again, it's not the most vocal group of leaders, 
but it's guys that just lead by example something that the team on the other side and some of the teams that Carolina could face in the a little bit in the ACC tournament, but mainly in the NCAA tournament, won't have. Well, you know, I really thought, you know, going into the game, we needed, you needed Caleb Love to play well. And I know four of 17 and two of seven from behind the three-point line doesn't look pretty. And after an 0-8 start, you kind of thought, here we go again. But this kid, this kid has found a, a way to pull himself out of ruts, and make play after play after play when we need him to. And that's what he did in that second half, making all of his free throws, five rebounds, five assists, and just one turnover in 38 minutes. RJ, 9 of 16. It felt like every time he made a shot, it was a big shot for Carolina. Um, but it, it, it came down to Armando Baycott. Uh, when they played the first time, not going to use it as an excuse, but his hand was still hurting and he wasn't overly healthy. He picked, he picked up two quick fouls and Carolina got out of rhythm. He picked up another quick foul early tonight's game. Hubert Davis put him on the pine. He's only played 10 minutes in the first half, all 20 in the second half, but 23 points, 10 of 11 from the field, 3 of 4 from the foul line, 7 rebounds. And Mark Williams is really good. Let's you know We'll, we'll give him his flowers. He's a really good post player. But when Armando first got the ball and he dunked it right in to start the game, I think you knew what version of Armando Baycott showed up and he was ready to go. And then Brady Manick, um, this guy will only play one year at Carolina. Uh, Yes, I do want to break that to the fan that tweeted at him earlier and asked him to please come back one more year. I hate to break it to you. He cannot come back. I would take him back in a heartbeat. He feels like a fabric of this program. He honestly feels like a four-year player. Like, he is going to be one of those guys that we're going to remember for a while. Like, and the thing about Brady is even when we've questioned or, you know, been frustrated with his performance, it's never been from a lack of effort. He tries as hard as anybody on the court. I got to tell you, even in this game, you could see it. There were a couple times where he got matched up or switched on to Bancaro, and he still did a. I mean, he did a really good job. This is a dude that's grown defensively as mm-hmm. the season has gone along, you know, and that's you. You just have to credit him because this is a dude that could have came in here and said, "Look, I am what I am. I'm a senior. I've done this for four years already at Oklahoma." I don't need to work on aspects of my game. I'm just going to come out here, throw up threes, and live with the rest of my game. But he grew as the season went along. And, yeah, it's honestly, it, it it's like you said. The reason that you're going to remember him is cause of, just because of the work ethic. He's such a fun player to watch and, and an easy player to root for. And these are the types of guys that hopefully – because they will be going into the transfer portal moving forward. It's an aspect of the game that Carolina's got to take into account on the on the recruiting trail over the next, you know, however many years that this is as big of a thing as it is. So hopefully they can find more guys like Brady Manning cuz yeah, he he's quickly become one of those one of those fan favorites on this team. Maybe I mean honestly, I mean, between him and Armando, I think you got a competition for who's the fan favorite because he's meant that much to him. Well, I, I really think his emotional leadership has taken a toll because that guy, 
He's not afraid to show frustration, and he doesn't let it get the best of it. It's a controlled frustration, whether whether it's with a foul call, whether it's with a missed defensive assignment. Um, he's very quick to point to the passer whenever he gets assisted on a shot or whatever it is, and I think all of those things are carrying over. And, and you know, at first, whenever it became apparent he was one of the only leaders on this team, I pushed back on the idea that I thought, look, that's not who we are. That's not our culture. But you got to give him credit because he was willing to come into this environment and being willing to lead, and, and this team is falling behind him, and he's going to be a big part of whatever postseason success this team has. Well, well the other thing is is you've got to get used to these grad transfers having to be part of that leadership culture because this is this is just college basketball now. Is you're going to have these veteran guys that are going to come in, and especially you know if people if Carolina is going to recruit at the highest level like people want them to year in and year out. Excuse you. You've got you, you're you got to get one and done. Yep. So that means you've got to find these guys in the transfer portal as well that can be the leaders for you. So yeah, I mean that early in the season, I think it was it wasn't really we don't want him to be the leader. We thought that there were other veteran guys on this roster that were going to step up mm-hmm. and be the leaders, but that was the guy that Carolina needed in that moment. That was probably part of the reason that they brought him in, too, was that they could see he had a little bit of emotion behind how he played, and he was just the guy that stepped up first. But there are other guys that have stepped up. Armando has be- become a leader as as the year has gone along, and even Leakey. You know, I, I know that people... You know, it, it, Leakey is probably one of the most polarizing players in Tar Heel basketball history. Mm-hmm. You either love him or you think that he's been a disappointment. But he's one of those guys that, as the year has gone along, he has become a leader on the defensive end that Carolina really, really needed. And he did it again tonight. You got I mean, there were a lot of people, and especially, I'll tell you this, early on, he was getting bullied. Yep. Bancaro took him to the rack, and that we, we knew that could be an issue. But he stuck with it, and he was able to get Bancaro and that Duke offense out of rhythm. And you got to credit him because without his leadership on the defensive end of the floor, especially with that run that that Duke team made at the end of the first half there, things could have gotten out of hand. Second takeaway I had from Carolina's win tonight was their assist-to-turnover ratio. They handed out 15 assists on their 33 made baskets, but just five turnovers. And that was the kicker. This team turned the ball over 16 times at NC State just last Saturday. 16. And State's not half as good defensively as Duke is. Um, And with about three minutes to go and before the game got out of balance, Duke threw out a full-court press at times, and they threw out a you know, a, a little two-two-one kind of you know zone defense that, that extended out to about three quarters pressure, and I thought Carolina handled all of that exceptionally well, and they got the ball in R.J. Davis's hands and Caleb Loves's hands, and they made the right decisions with the basketball, and that's just something that it this team is they're going to have their moments where they turn the ball over a lot, and they're going to have moments where they protect the ball and value the ball really well. The truth or the proof's in the pudding. When they don't turn the ball over, this offense can be next level. It can be an elite offense. And I was just really 
proud of the way they went and handled everything that goes into a Duke game with the emotion, the atmosphere, and they just they, they controlled the game on the offensive end with their ball handlers. And tonight, you know, we talked about the win validating Hubert Davis. It, in a lot of ways, it validated his philosophy change to get the most out of the guards because you need those two guys to make plays. It's March. It's winning time. You're going to go as far as your guards are going to take you. And they took him very far tonight in a win over Duke. Like you said, I mean, they just they've, they, they made the plays that they had to make and they didn't turn the ball over. And that's been the keys for them the entire season. They don't need to be these dominant forces. But when they, late in games, when they need to take over, you need them to step up. And look, the last two games primarily, it's shown. Because, yeah, this one for sure. But here's the thing. You you could have been, I mean, you, you, you would have been, Probably you, you still would have been in if you would have won tonight. But you wonder, if they don't win that game against Syracuse, where's their head at? Mm-hmm. And Caleb Love turned it on exactly when he needed to. And he deserves just a ton of credit because the mentality for him could have been a lot different. Because I feel like a lot of Toriel fans had pretty much thrown in the towel on him. And he's still got a lot of growing to do. There's no doubt about that. But he he's not a guy that needs to learn how to play in clutch time. That's not one of the things that he's still got to put on his plate because he has done it now back-to-back games. And, yeah, that, that backcourt is, is starting to round into form at the right time. The problem is is... For them, you just were you. You wonder about consistency because that still really isn't there for them just yet. The front court right now is lifting you, and I still think Carolina can make a deep run. But yeah, you you are going to need those guards to be more consistent. But here's the thing: it seems like the bigger the stage for Carolina as the season has gone along, the better these guys have played. Tonight was as tough of a situation as you were going to go into. And, you know, I thought from the from the word go, at least one of them was on. Caleb mm-hmm. Love was on late, but you got to give a lot of credit to R.J. Davis and how he played early on in that game because he did a lot out of the gate for Carolina. Yeah, Armando had a couple of nice finishes inside, but, man, if R.J. doesn't play as well as he did out of the gate for Carolina – who knows what the result actually is? Last we got to touch on is the free throw shooting because they were impeccable, 19 of 22 from the foul line. But more importantly, they shot more free throws than Duke. In Duke's building, on Coach K and Coach K's final game in Cameron. In a game that I didn't think was officiated great. And that more, so it, their aggression level, I thought tonight, was where it needed to be. I thought they were getting to the rim when they wanted to. They were attacking all night long and... They got the results they wanted to, and to be able to go to the foul line and take big free throws and make big free throws was a pretty big deal for them. Um, and, and then to play defense without fouling. 
um, especially in that second half where you played all five of your starters. Only let Duke shoot eight free throws. But that was a pretty big testament where Carolina is defensively, where they know they have to play their five starters a lot of minutes, but also do it and not foul. And I thought that's another step in the right direction for this team um, on the defensive end of the court. So, yeah, I mean, in that respect, I, I said it earlier. I think, you know, especially with Armando, there was a point where it could have gotten away from y'all in terms of the fouls. And I think they did a really good job of sort of realizing, hey, we, we're probably going to be needed. I mean, I don't know if they knew they were going to be needed all 20 minutes, but they got the sense we're going to be needed for the majority of this half. We can't really go through a stretch where we have to see our bench out there. And and look, the bench wasn't the issue for Carolina in the first half. That wasn't what shifted the tides. That run didn't even happen with the bench guys in there. It happened with all the starters in there. So, you know, but but in in clutch time, you needed these guys on the court. And it could have been easy, especially with how things started, to let it get a little out of hand. But they did a tremendous job. And then when it comes to them being aggressive on the offensive end, driving the basket, that was the best aspect of this game from Carolina. And that was one of the hardest things that they probably had to do all year. Because what did I hear all week from people that watched Duke religiously, that were crying and sobbing, because it was Coach K's last game, and now they're crying themselves to sleep tonight. Well, Carolina's not going to be able to get past those Duke guards. They learned in the first game how quick-footed these guys are. Yeah, they look great tonight. Carolina blew right by them tonight. They made them look like a high school team full of chubbos out there. And it was beautiful. They That is when Carolina's offense is at its best. And I thought, by the way, Armando did a tremendous job screening up top. He set some huge mm-hmm. screens. And but 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 the mindset of these guards, which we have said this all year, and there are still times, even tonight there were still times where they just settle for the outside shots. I get that they can knock those down. They did it at a much better clip this season than they did a year ago. But when you drive the basket, that's going to lead to the most success. And it got them to the foul line, and you're right. They were outstanding there. What was one of the biggest issues at the end of the Roy Williams era? And it wasn't – I know it wasn't because Roy wasn't pushing it. It was just, for some reason, they wouldn't fall. It was free throw shooting. Yep. That is one area – where we have not questioned outside of, I think there was a game early in the season where we brought up free throw shooting. And that might have even been a game they won. Outside of that, never questioned the free throw shooting in this team the entire year. Hubert Davis made that a focus, and it helped Carolina win a lot of games towards the end of the year, including tonight. This is going to wrap up this edition of the Four Corners Podcast. I want to encourage you guys to go to the website, HeelToughBlog.com, for all the coverage following the Duke game. As for the latest going on with Carolina in spring football, as for the podcast, you know where to find us. We're on the Basketball Podcasting Network. We host through Megaphone, every major podcast platform. Just simply search the Four Corners Podcast, rate, review, and subscribe. That way you don't miss any coverage throughout the remainder of the basketball season. 
Well, this is going to wrap up this edition of the pod. I want to thank Anthony for hosting with me. I want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tar Heels. The Four Corners Podcast is a proud member of the Basketball Podcast Network. Follow us on Twitter at HoopsPodNet or visit our website, www.thebasketballpodcastnetwork.com to find the best basketball podcast.